I'm on a secret mission. Know that if I succeed with this one, can I get promoted up the ranks? Yeah. All right. Recording? Yes, I am. Hello there. Welcome back to the Nicholas Comics Q&A, your weekly two-hour dose of everything even remotely tangentially related to the Nicholas Comics Empire operating as usual out of the glorious metropolis of Denver, Colorado. That was Huey Lewis in the news with Back in Time. Right before the Q&A started, a pod man here on the Nicholas Comics uh, server says, All feels so bad if no one joins, and I would, but I gotta go now. Crying emoji. Uh, no need to feel bad if you don't join. Uh, I no longer conduct this Q&A for internal validation. In fact, that really isn't why I started it to begin with. Um, although, truth be told, back in 2020 or so, I, I did feel a much deeper need for, like, validation from the Internet. Um, I now conduct this Q&A purely as a public service. So that if you have any inquiries regarding me or my comics, I make myself accessible out here on the World Wide Web because it is the 21st century. And I think it's important for celebrities like myself to make ourselves accessible to you, the common folk. Really being facetious, of course, there. I could give less of a shit about my status as a celebrity. Uh, point being, I no longer seek internal validation from the Internet, and I no longer care what anyone here on the internet thinks about me, because I've realized that the internet has so little of an impact uh, on my actual career uh, that it's not even worth thinking about. It's not even funny. Like, the internet uh, is ridiculously uh, meaningless in terms of the goals I've set for myself. But nonetheless, I still hope to continue this Q&A here every week, just because I find the results of a free-form, two-hour-long discussion interesting. I think it's always interesting to have people from around the globe discuss things with uh, with me here on the Q&A, and uh, it's led to some very entertaining uh, audio recordings, some very memorable moments here on the Nicholas Comics Q&A. But if you can't join, for whatever reason, you can't pop on between 3 and 5 p.m. out in Standard Time uh, on Saturdays, then... You know, say la vie, I suppose, que sera, sera, am I right? Uh, that said, we got quite the announcements this week. We got quite the, the spicy topics. We got quite the news. Uh, my comics are currently being carried at two shops here in Denver, and uh, I hope more. My New Year's resolution, as it were, has been to stock up as much uh, of the Denver metro area as possible with my fine products and ensure that everyone has access to them here in Denver and everyone knows what they're all about. And it's great to finally receive recognition as a mail-order cartoonist and as a visionary and the like, and that's very satisfying uh, to finally see my hard work pay off and me get some recognition. That's very cool. Uh, if you hear a whirring noise in the background, by the way, it's because as I record this uh, Q&A here, I'm also recording some tapes 
some hot fresh spicy tapes on my epic tape deck my sony model my tcwe 405 according to the uh, according to the front here that's the model if anyone out there is looking for a good high quality tape deck i would recommend the tcwe 405 it's a really great model and uh it, it's in a line of models i if i recall correctly one of the one of the relatives of this model didn't have a headphone jack and i was uh, i was confused by that but uh it's it's absolutely great for a tape deck to have a headphone jack and in fact i'd say it's uh, probably the biggest thing you should look for in a tape deck it should have a headphone jack just so you can listen back to your recordings and so that you can uh so that you can plug into a sound system, as it were. Um, that's very important to have a headphone jack on the front of your tape deck. So I recommend the Sony TCWE405. Sony tape decks are good. They're not the fanciest or anything, but they do get the job done. This little baby is very reliable, and I've had it for around... Uh, around... Well, well it's, it's approaching a year at this point that I've had it, and uh, it's never let me down, never let me down yet. It, uh, it just records like crazy. A while back, there was a screeching noise coming out of it, and I thought I'd have to get it taken in for repairs, but as it turns out, the belt had just slipped, and that's all it was, and the motor was just straining, which is what I think was making the screechy noise. So I'm back to recording tapes, and as promised, I will be recording more VHS tapes very soon. More nice VHS recordings from Nicholas Home Video on the horizon. In the immediate future, as it were, a month or less, a month or less till I roll out some more sweet VHS editions. So keep your eyes peeled for that, because it's going to be uh, truly awesome and uh, out of this world and out of sight. Anywho, uh, that said, it's currently 3.06 p.m., six minutes into this two-hour-long recording, and I figured... Uh, gosh, what can be done this week? It could go back to the Quentin Tarantino forums. Those are always spicy and intriguing because I think it's interesting to look at the defenses people make of uh, once upon a time. Was that four years ago? Holy shit. That was four years ago that thing came out. Um, it's the type movie that sticks in your head because of how uh, terrible it is. One thing I've found through years of creative endeavors, and this is, this seems to be kind of a, 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 a sort of truth across the board, is that people will always assume that the more popular someone is, like, the better their work is. Like, you know, like Stephen Hillenburg, Jonah Vasquez, Bo Burnham. Everyone goes, like, Bo Burnham's so talented. Everyone goes, Bill Wirtz is so talented. And I made that uh, hilarious Bill Wirtz diss track. Everyone was like, oh, you're shitting on a creator who's better than you. Um, but actually, you know, I, I, I don't think he is better than me. I think, like, the average Bill Wirtz video uh, is not that great. And, you know, I get that people like them and all that, but it's not that great. And uh, I wasn't shitting on a creator who's better than me. Uh, I was, like, punching up. Would you rather I punch down? I'm not going to do that, you know. As far as I see it, you know, if you're if you're in an art industry, if you're in a creative industry like videography or photography or painting or anything, 
Um, if you if you spot a bad apple in your field who's abusing their power, who doesn't necessarily uh, is you know isn't necessarily all they're chalked up to be, um, art should be able to convey that, and you should be able to point out, hey, you know this this figure isn't all that great. Um, that, that that should be the prerogative of art to challenge the status quo and, and point at the mainstream. But um, I guess I guess not many people are willing to do that. But yeah, I'd never punch down. But, uh, you know, making a funny little piece on Bill Wirtz is not really, uh, that means spirited. I mean, he's got, like, you know, a million fucking legion of adoring fan base. I really doubt my diss track can do that much uh, damage to his reputation, you know, as it were. So keep in mind going forward that if a video ever comes out where I, where I lightly poke fun at someone... Um, it's always someone who has way more, you know, power and status than I do, and, uh, it'll always be, like, you know, in jest. Uh, I have a video coming out pretty soon, you know, like, I don't, I don't legitimately hate any of these celebrities, I don't, like, actually, like, dislike Bo Burnham with a seething passion, I just think he's annoying, and I think his songs are bad, I think his inside special's bad. I don't hate him as a guy. I've never fucking met him, but I, I just don't like his, his routine. He just reeks of pretension. Um, but I have, like, some videos coming up. Like, uh, you know, I get this has always been a controversial facet of the stuff I make. Oh, we got Dingo on. We got Dingo on. Uh, I was looking forward to this. How's it going, sir? You're on the Nicholas Comics Q&A. Hello. I was just reminding the audience, the listening audience, that I got a hot new video called Trevor Moore Undergoes a Serotonin uh, Endeavor on uh, March 20th, 2023. It's going to be hot. Uh, that said, uh, glad to see you pop, popped on the Q&A here. I was going to ask something. Um, the, the last, well, two weeks ago... You mentioned that the more controversial an opinion is, right, like the more uh, against the grain an opinion is, the more likely it is to pick up traction if you make a video about it. If that's the case, why is it that uh, what, in my opinion, is your best video, your one about how Netflix is broken, uh, didn't take off and you deleted it because it got barely any views? Because as, as I see it, you know, shitting on Netflix is kind of a kind of a countercultural kind of you know, really. like edgy hot take that not many people agree on. Um, pretty much everyone. Um, um, pretty much everyone doesn't like Netflix anymore because there's nothing good on it. Like everyone just says there's nothing good on Netflix. But <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, you made the reason... video like a year ago, back when it was still remotely popular. So it was kind yeah. of a, a hot take back then. Not, not really. It was in uh, May of 2021, so by by that point, pretty much all of the, all of the po positive feelings towards Netflix. So I'll turn my gain up for you. Uh, all the positive feelings towards Netflix had kind of uh, um, evaporated, and um, the reason why I did take it down was because it wasn't really in line with what I wanted to do with the rest of my channel. And I kind of wanted to, if I, I'll probably take the erased one. Despite the fact I think it's a good video, I'll probably end up taking it down eventually uh, because I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a particularly um, good video, and, it, and it's not consistent with the rest of the channel. If that makes sense. That's an interesting point. You see, like, I guess that's how I guess that's how you and I differ in the uh, 
in the in the ethos of creation in that i do my best to preserve everything i've ever made um much like my character ellis from hypnagogic archive i i i don't really delete anything i've made at, at most i i'd unlist it but i keep it around i don't delete uh, them either i i uh, they're on they're unlisted they're right, unlisted but in terms of like presenting oneself as a single <clears throat> you know like coherent vision like that your videos will always be on the on at the exact same level of quality and they'll they'll always be like the same level of a of mm -hmm. a production value that's a difficult illusion to maintain given the linear nature of time and most youtube channels cannot sustain that even the big ones like right opinion or any of those you go back to like the first video and there's a noticeable difference given the progression of time and the acquisition of technique um so i find that to be an interesting approach in that as for me i consider everything i've ever made uh illustrative uh, in in my progression, so to speak, as a, as a purveyor of, of visual information, and uh, I wouldn't take something off just because so and so. Like for instance, a lot of people uh, don't like college buddies. They they dismiss college buddies as an early work, and uh, they say, "Well, you know, your new comics are so much better, Nick. Your your new comics are great. The college buddies is a piece of shit." Whereas I We'll never stop selling college buddies or propping college buddies up because I think, while more rudimentary than my current work, less ambitious per se, I think college buddies speaks immensely um, to a certain headspace I was in, a certain mentality I tapped into, uh, a kind of state that I cannot possibly hope to replicate because it was it was under certain circumstances, at a certain point in time, and that's the case with a lot of stuff. Like, for instance, uh, Eraserhead, you know. That's David Lynch's first movie, and I think it's his best. I think Eraserhead uh, does not possess the, like, studio polish of uh, his later stuff, like Mulholland Drive. Uh, but I think Eraserhead is the best in that it, it conveys a certain uh, sensibility and that's created during a certain period of time. And I think that kind of thing is worth... Uh, paying attention to i think it's worth i think it's i think i think it's worth making knowledge of your entire artistic journey visible to the public at least in a certain capacity so that they understand you know where you came from and where you're uh, headed as far as that goes as far as art i i generally approach it with the principle that uh like you don't need to consciously improve um, at, at, at most, you should strive for a kind of subtle uh, base mediocrity. But if you uh, legitimately care, if you're legitimately passionate about it, you'll improve uh, on your own by necessity just over, over uh, a period of time. And that's certainly been the case for me. I haven't consciously tried to improve. I haven't acquired any new technique or anything. I've just, um, I've just gone from being uh, you know, 16 to being 20. Uh, approaching 2021 20, here in three months. Um, I, I would say my technique has improved quite a bit, but I guess the difference is that uh, I don't try and cover up the less savory pieces of my you know, creation 
um, or like be like, these never happened. I, I, I absolutely keep them around as reminders of the past because I think in order to understand the present and in order to understand the future, you have to understand the past. I'm amazed by the amount of people in uh, my generation who lack temporal perspective, who lack the ability to critically think about the past and the context under which they exist. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, my response would be, I guess, I think we see our crafts differently. So, yeah, well, you, are, you, you, you do cartoon. I see my channel not as a, a representation of myself, but as like a television series uh, or a streaming service. That's how I see my channel. Is that interesting? Um, and the, in the same way that like uh, old SpongeBob episodes uh, aren't uh, aren't on Paramount Plus. Or I don't know who owns SpongeBob. I forget if it's Paramount. Sorry, I think it is Paramount. Um, it, let's say on Paramount Plus, you, you're not able to see certain SpongeBob episodes because they've gone. Yeah, you know, we did this in the episode, and I don't think that's going to fly today. Or and they'll remove them from view, right? It doesn't mean that the episodes are um, it, that that Paramount is um, is is ashamed. It just means that Paramount understands that they don't want this to be uh, this to be how the their their brand is viewed. The same way, I don't um, I don't necessarily want to because I think that all videos that I upload are. I implicitly give a promise to continue content of the same nature. So by virtue of uploading a Twitch politics video, I promise to my audience that there will in fact be another Twitch politics video. Uh, I don't want to make a promise uh, about my channel, like my channel covers this content, that when the audience watches it and checks out my channel, they feel misled because the... Um, <clears throat> the content of that video is not uh, reflective of what the actual content of the channel is now. But uh, well, that's the intriguing o- because yeah. a couple episodes back, if I recall, you said that you 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 don't generally uh, give in to trends and you make videos about whatever you find interesting, like sketch act yeah. or whatever. D- do you pander? Like, do you, do you do you make a, a guaranteed formula? Do you do you abide by a guaranteed formula or don't you? A formula? Not really. Um, I, I make videos. Um, so first, what I, my process for making a video is, obviously the first is a topic that jumps out or catches my interest. And then uh, my next thought is, how do I present this topic in a way that my audience will find it congruent with my other content, or that my audience will enjoy, right? So um, I want to carve out uh, a style for myself. The same way uh, Lynchian dialogue, for example, that sort of dreamy, hypnotic way of speaking is so right. synonymous with David Lynch films. Because um, you use that wonderful example of, uh, of Lynch. Um, I-, I want to... I want to provide... I want to carve out something where people go, you know, that's Dingo. That's uh, that's Miles. That's his work. That's right. what I want people right. to to think, right? And a byproduct of that also is having some level of consistency, right? Doesn't mean I'm afraid to do new things. Suppose cover interesting con. Suppose there's an interesting topic, but you you've guaranteed that you fit into this niche of Twitch politics. So no matter how interesting the subject is, you don't want to cover it because you know that your audience won't be interested by it. Not really. Uh, like I've already made plenty of videos. Like my last two videos have been videos that haven't done very well. It's because they don't appeal to my audience. But it was creatively fulfilling to make those, uh, to make those videos because I had something to say, right? So right. obviously it's like it's like a weighing scale 
Uh, is it important enough for me to talk about? And I'll see which side it weighs. So oftentimes, there has been times that I've thought about a topic uh, that I could make an interesting video, and then I've thought, well, you know, I'm not, I don't really have as much to say on this topic. I feel like I'm just repeating what other people have said. And then I'll say, is there another way for me to make this? Like the SketchUp video, for instance, people have covered SketchUp before, but I took a different angle. That's what made my video uh, better, in my opinion. Uh, okay. The gambling video, I had a new angle on that. People hadn't really discussed as much, and I wanted to display that angle, right? Um, okay. And of course, uh, it, it doesn't need to get a bunch of views, but it gets enough views for me to be happy that at least, what, 600 people saw it? I'm pretty fucking comfortable with 600 people seeing it. Uh, that's the recognition that I like. But, yeah. That's, that seems to be the the balance to strike in, in any creative endeavor is uh, between satisfying yourself and, and following your own vision and uh, satisfying your audience with what they want, with fan service. Um, in general, it's my approach not to listen to my audience at all in, unless they have a very interesting idea to add. Um, Hypnagogic Archive, for instance... I made Hypnagogic Archive. I had, I did not listen to any fan theories. I did not uh, listen to any any fan feedback. Lots of people came up with just bizarre theories about what was going on. Um, but I pursued it ultimately from the perspective that anything in the story would come naturally to me, just fall into my head, um, like spontaneously, which is how it goes. Uh, I have no idea where these ideas come from, of course. Some of them are, are really out there. Um, but they do just fall into my head spontaneously. So I guess that's the, I guess that's the, the, mm -hmm. the main conflict at the, at the heart of artistic production is, uh, making a compromise between what you want and what your audience want. And in that regard, I tend to err more on, I will make whatever I want and I, will not fit into any particular niche. And that is, of course, why my videos perform uh, worse, because they are not easily categorized. I, I, make, uh, I make a wide variety of content. I make music videos, I make, I mm -hmm. make skits, I make reviews, I make top ten lists, uh, whatever I find interesting and personally fulfilling to produce, but I do not confine myself to any one particular video format. And, and that will have an impact... Uh, on your popularity as, as, as a video creator, right? Um, it, it's all, it's, I, I, I've tagged around half of my videos at this point. I, I went in and tagged it, and I don't really see a visible increase in my views. In fact, I've, I've, I'm getting under a thousand views per month. Um, I think it's just that my videos don't really appeal to the algorithm, and they probably never will, and, and that's entirely by design. Thank you. Sometimes it also takes a good thumbnail. Um, it's like if an audience sees a video and the picture is. Uh, yeah, I mean, my videos are very. My thumbnails are very colorful and feature like old text. I, and I'm not I, sure I what think, else. Not sure what else yeah. a thumbnail could possess. I think it's just a uh, good composition. I, I think I, I've looked. I've looked at your uh, thumbnails, and I think the big issue I have them personally is composition. Uh, I'm. I'm sure you know that what what that means. You're an adult, but. Um, Right. I think right. the placement of everything is a little so here. Let me I'll use an example just so we can be we can Sure, sure. Post, post an example in voice chat. Nicholas comment. I'll just say the video. You probably know the uh, right. Nicholas, I'll okay. go through your your uh all right, here we go. 
Um, let's take an example of do top five comedy movies. All right, sure. Um, so right off the bat, there's an odd looking white um white square that's sort of wedged at the top and it feels like that was unintentional uh, so the white like the, square uh, the, it's just a black background with yellow comic sans text over it no there's a here i'll stream it and i'll zoom in just to show you sure zoom in. Uh, where is it this what you're seeing there is a glitch or something uh that doesn't show up for me yeah, uh, maybe because the it's the new YouTube layout with the rounded corners. Could the rounder that. corners. That this is the they're uh, updating. I, I don't think so. I don't. I, I don't. Like, uh, I, I don't see that on my channel page. It, it's it's one pixel wide at the most. I, I really doubt that could be. Yeah, you're you much. you'll probably get it uh, updated eventually. This is like this is the new YouTube layout that everyone's getting uh, marketed to them. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. the second. The, the the four the four videos per row and like that i i don't i i can't even consciously see that one pixel at the most of, of white space i, I really doubt anyone could uh, i i definitely do it, it's definitely uh oh wait it's not if you have a different it's, it's actually interface, more than that but i uh i certainly it's, can it's make it out yeah because everybody's getting this new interface so uh, um, I mean, I, I have uh, the I have the same the the four rows, and they don't let you sort by oldest first anymore. But I don't see uh I don't see that that little bar of uh, white pixels. That's weird. That is bizarre. Um, the 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 other thing I would say is the um the text is not centered. It's all it feels like it's it's uh, or it, it is uh, more up towards the top left than in the middle. The line spacing is uh is too large it doesn't make sense why the line spacing would be that large um the font being comic sans isn't particularly good either a, a better font would be uh gotham ultra or uh, roboto mono i don't think those um, are available on ms paint which is the software i use to make my uh, thumbnails so i'll send you this free website which i use a lot it's i prefer ms paint i think the ms paint aesthetic is the best way to make your videos stand out because no videos look like they're made with ms paint windows movie maker which is the software i use um and i prefer that um there, there the really batman... aren't any videos that look like they're made with uh, windows movie maker but all my videos are edited right in windows movie maker the uh, uh the original microsoft office Variety. One thing I'll say is I'll I'll say your reviewing overpriced Stranger Things merchandise is oh, the yeah, correct. That that's a that's a kind of a good thumbnail. I'd recommend going for that more uh more more of style. Um, here let, let's use a really good example. YA dystopias are just the worst. Okay. Um, the font is really an uh kind of an odd decision there. The line spacing. Is again weird, and it doesn't it doesn't look like your text is aligned, so it, it feels like I mean, the worst. You mean is... you mean the text should be centered, uh, centered or uh, or aligned towards the left or aligned probably not towards the right considering the placement. Um, 
So because it looks like uh, the W is more towards the left than the S, and the S is more towards the left than the G, and so on and so forth. Well, um, uh, if I'm looking at MS Paint here, MS Paint does not have a center option. Uh, Windows Movie Maker has a center option, but in terms of image composition, which is obviously what I use for my thumbnails, MS Paint, uh, it doesn't have a left-right option. It has a bold option, an italicized option, an underlined option, and a strikethrough option. It doesn't have aligning options, and the text spacing that you see in the thumbnails is all inherent uh, to the text on MS Paint. Uh. Like, for instance, on my top 50 comedy movies, the, the line spacing between the comic sans, uh, that is the line spacing that MS Paint automatically provides. In that case, I really would recommend switching. I really um, would not, because there are no other thumbnails you, out there I ever see that look like they're done in MS Paint, and that's what gives my videos an edge over the competition. Here, look. I'll show you this. Okay. Um, the use of this, this is what I use. Um, okay. Quickly hop in here, because I'm waiting for your thing to pop up. Do All you right. see the screen? Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is what I use. So All it's right. pretty simple. Let's create a white 10p normal. Do a couple. You can basically do all the same things. Shape. Right, right. Change the shape. Text. Text is here. But the added benefit of let's. In fact, I'm gonna make you a thumbnail right now for free. All right. Uh, let's say you uh, want to do a thumbnail for Batman Returns Revisited. Okay. Sure. So what I might do first is let's get a black background. Okay. Uh, what I might then do is try and find a um, an image of Michael Keaton's Batman, obviously, because you're talking about Batman Returns. Uh, okay. I might change it to transparent, just so we get a pretty good photo here. Let's say this one. Okay. Let's All make right. this uh, larger, and let's put it there. Okay. All right. Second off, let's get uh, the Keaton logo. Boom. Okay. Let's put this here. All right. Let's get this relatively center cent centered. Let's put that there. Okay. So popping out. All right. Let's turn the opacity down so it's sort of a bit darker. You can put text behind it. Okay. Something like that. In fact, let's actually shift Keaton's Batman towards this. Then let's get some text let's say we, we want to use Roboto Mono and we'll say Batman uh, what was it title again Batman Returns right right sure. right yeah Batman Returns Bat yeah Batman Returns let's make this sort of big like this um Batman Returns let's underline it and then Let's duplicate the text. Revisited. Uh, let's say. Okay. To fit in, let's italicize, and then let's make it big enough to match under. Okay. To match under that, let's get it all lined up. Boom. Fuse down. Merge down. All right. Again, make it big. Cent center it like this. Um, 
And actually, let's get a different still of Michael Keaton's Batman. This is perfect because it's more high okay. more, more intimate. Right. And let's make this really big. Okay. And you see, and then all we have to do next is put some drop shadow on things. Okay. So open this up, and first we'll grab this, and we'll put some drop shadow on it. So let's see how white looks. Right. Okay. To have make it give it this sort of glow almost. Uh, and then Michael Keaton's Batman obviously needs a little bit of a glow too. So let's think maybe white and give it that. Okay. Look. Yep. But let's see what a yellow glow looks like. That might also look pretty good. Or maybe a black glow. Okay. Let's go with yellow. All right. Fine. Boom. Bang. Move the text a little bit more this way. And boom. Look. Now, if you zoom out, this is like the will be. Yeah, that, the, that looks right. extremely generic. And if I saw that in my sidebar, I, I probably would not click on that. On the other hand, um, as, I, as I see it, better. if you have Danny DeVito's penguin with the mirror effect where his, half his face has been duplicated and flipped around, and he looks intentionally grotesque, even more grotesque than he does in the movie. If I saw that in my th in my sidebar, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, I'm clicking on this because this looks freaking uh, dope as shit." I've never seen a thumbnail like this before, mm -hmm. you know. But it only got 24 views, despite the topic being it only pretty broad. Did. Let me give you a, an example. My most viewed video of all time uh, is my night gallery list, my top five worst and top five best night gallery episodes. List. It has Comic Sans. The, the lines are extremely spaced out. It's just a generic photo of, of, of Rod Sterling done in MS Paint. He's on the left. There's no drop shadow or anything applied. It's just from Google Images. And it just says the worst and the best. And I've always questioned, you know, if I changed the thumbnail, could I get way more views on this? But I think, yep. I think the only reason this has six... Point nine thousand views as of right now. It's my most viewed video of all time, and it has over a hundred and seventy comments. Is because the crowd that is into night gallery top ten lists and the like is about that size. That sounds reasonable. About six thousand nine hundred people are into night gallery, and you're not going to get more than that not going to get less than that the amount of people who watch the video or the amount of people who are interested in it the reason the other reason this video is big is because at the time it came out it filled an untapped gap in the market there there were no lists for night gallery not any good ones anyway there was one by i think linkara but it was crap um so my video in, a, in effect, filled a gap in the market. And it's the exact same with any topic I cover that has not been covered before, like Kiki Stockhammer. My Kiki Stockhammer video, all things considered, is doing okay because people who are interested in Kiki Stockhammer uh, will watch that video. Now, like I said, not people who just don't have any idea who she is because nobody who has 
no idea who Kiki Stockhammer is, would watch that video. But people who saw the video, the much larger video where she's mentioned, would then type her into the search bar and click on the first video that comes up, which is mine because it's the only video about her, and go, oh wow, here's an informative, well-researched video about this topic that I've never seen you know, anyone else uh, make a video about, but this is the only one. I think part of the issue with the current YouTube environment is oversaturation, right? There are, there are a million, there are a million thumbnails like that Batman Returns Revisited one you did. There are a million like that. That, that does not, that does not say, oh wow, you know, th this is the video to click on. But if I make a video, if I make a thumbnail in MS Paint with Comic Sans, people go, wow, you know, this is, this is a cool-ass video that people will want to watch. And that's the case with my, with my Night Gallery video. It's currently my most viewed video. And it has Comic Sans, and it's an extremely basic MS Paint thumbnail, like a ton of others of mine. The reason it succeeded uh, is partially because it was an untapped market, and partially just by sheer coincidence, because the algorithm... Uh, does not prioritize thumbnails that much. I don't but really buy do. that. You can make a thumbnail very appealing. You can make a thumbnail extremely appealing, but at the end of the day, in an oversaturated market, what helps you grow, I think, uh, is to stand out from the crowd, and for me, that involves making my thumbnails with MS Paint and editing my videos in Windows Movie Maker. If I had access to older editing software, if I had access to a video toaster, bet your ass I'd be making videos on a video toaster, because that would help set me apart. And whenever I make a video using, like, legit VHS uh, and my legit Minolta camcorder, uh, people like that because it doesn't, it doesn't look like any other video, you know, and you can tell. You can tell it's legit. For the most part, I think what helps... Uh, with videos is to stand apart. And if I saw that Batman Returns thumbnail with just Michael Keaton's Batman, um, I wouldn't click on that. Uh, I don't know. That's just me, but uh, I, I click on thumbnails. I don't even really click on a video just because it has an interesting thumbnail. I really only click on it if uh, I think the topic sounds interesting. But uh, as far as I know, I mean, the thumbnail doesn't really have an effect on it. But like, if someone's not a Batman fan, they're not going to click on a Batman video anyway. Um, but I think, mm -hmm. in all, in, I think my, I think my, my Oswald Cobblepot thumbnail, uh, where he's, where he's reflected in a mirror, is, uh, is a little more, uh, interesting and, and stands out from the crowd more. And what YouTube says is, good thumbnails, you know, they grab the viewer's attention. And I think, uh, that one with, with the Give me five mirror, minutes, I'll be joined back. Sorry, someone's just calling me. Really sure, sure. Five minutes. Well, that's 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 an interesting point. Um, for those of you wondering, um, you're listening to the Q and A. Uh, the Batman Returns revisited thumbnail that Dingo just made um, was was uh, made using, uh, if I recall, the the software Pix Pixlr, Pixlr, something like that. P i x l r. Um, it had Michael Keaton's Batman. On the left, it's kind of looking stoically off-frame. You add, um, in, in white, Batman Returns, a small text, and then much larger text below it in yellow, revisited, centered text. Um, behind 
Michael Keaton's Batman, you just have the, the very generic Batman 89 logo, which wouldn't even really make sense because that's from the first movie. I don't think it's used in the second movie on Batman Returns. Um, there's nothing to that thumbnail, really, that's specific to the second one. Um, and what I hope to convey with that video, to those of you who've seen it, is how weird the second one is. So to convey the weirdness of it, uh, I made a weird thumbnail that would convey to the viewer, oh, this is a weird, a weird Batman movie, right? Um, I think my thumbnail is better, but teach their own, I guess. I mean, heck, maybe if I made my thumbnails in pixel or, um, you know, maybe I'm totally, totally wrong. Maybe I'm totally off base here. Maybe if I made my thumbnails in pixel or, um, I'd be getting way more views, but that would mean sacrificing my artistic integrity, which is something I'm, I'm not really comfortable with. I, I, I have faith in MS Paint. I've used MS Paint for a long, long ass time, and it's never let me down. Very rudimentary software, but it's absolutely worthwhile, and uh, I stand by it. I've never dealt with uh, transparency in my life, that thing where you can just uh, lay images over top of each other. Whenever I lay an image over top of each other, I have to use the physical cutting tool on MS Paint and go around the part that I want to overlay. I don't have the luxury of that transparency stuff, but that also means I have a much wider array of images to choose from because, you know, some images just aren't transparent. I can use whatever the heck image I want and just use the MS Paint cut tool. It looks a little rougher, and there are some pieces cut out sometimes, but it definitely uh, stands out from the crowd because not many people have the balls, you know, not many people have the courage uh, to make their thumbnails in MS Paint. And I think, uh, for one, that uh, that's definitely a draw of my videos over the other guys' videos in the market uh, is, is the aesthetic I bring to the table. Uh, my thumbnails, and by extension my videos, have a lot of aesthetic going on. Um, and I think aesthetic is especially important for a visual medium like videos, especially here on the internet, where aesthetics are popular. I'd never stop using Comic Sans MS, the world's greatest font. Um, it's, it's a wonderful font. It's a spectacular font, and I would never in a million years think of, of not using it. But I find it entertaining that Dingo assumes every piece of software has Roboto Mono built into it. Does MS Paint have Roboto Mono? No, it doesn't. It has, uh, it has uh, Ravi and Roman. Those are the only two fonts it has that start with R. But they're all alphabetized, and I've gone with them for the past uh, forever, and they've served me pretty well. Ariel, Ariel Black, Bonshrift, Bauhaus 93, especially Bauhaus 93. Where would the Hypnagogic Archive be without Bauhaus 93? What a font. Uh, Calibri, uh, Century, Century Gothic, Comic Sans MS, Cooper Black, Courier, Courier New. You got Impact for those spicy memes. You got uh, Magneto. You got Mature M7 Script Capital. You got you got Modern, Modern Number 20, MS Gothic, MSP Gothic, MS Serif, MS Sans Serif, uh, Niagara Engraved, Niagara Solid, Playbill, Ravy, uh, Showcard Gothic, Simpson, 
small fonts, Snap ITC, Stencil System, the Times New Roman, very essential font, Verdana, uh, Webdings, Wingdings, and Wide Latin, among lots others, but definitely not Roboto Mono. I think there's around a there's around, I believe, 100 fonts or so. Just going by a quick estimate, a, a quick visual, visual estimate. Dingo always seems to get called for whatever reason during the Q and A. Perhaps he's a, perhaps he's a member of international espionage. I'm going to start my tape deck up, so you might hear a faint whir in the background, your listener. But don't be alarmed. It's only magic of tape at work. Cassette sorcery, if you would. There we go. It's on. Tape's cooking up in the tape oven. Just the way uh, nature intended. Anywho. I got cassettes going. But that said, um... When I said I'd use the video toaster, uh, I legitimately do mean it. I think the video toaster looks cool as shit. And if any old tech enthusiasts out there would be uh, willing to send me a video toaster, um, well, I guess I'd need an Amiga too, which I don't really have room for, but... That's a shame. And I know there's emulators, I know there's emulators, but nothing compares to the real, the real thing, the real shit. Um... Heck, I'd be willing to learn how to use uh, a, an Amiga if uh, if I if I could, you know. If, if uh, an Amiga is a great computer and, and definitely worth having, but if someone sent me a video toaster, like you know, for free, I'd use it. I, I wouldn't waste it. I, I'd I'd make sure to use it in at least a couple videos because it's worth it, you know. To use something that quality, to use the video toaster, that'd be fucking hype. But as it is, I use Windows Movie Maker. When you, anyone is wondering uh, what leads to the, those real, real choppy type edits and really uh, quaint text and really smooth transitions, it's because it's all done on Windows Movie Maker, the Microsoft Office edition. I think is an extremely reliable and useful piece of video editing software. It's very basic and very easy to learn, much like everything produced by Microsoft. It's good software. Um... But yeah, I got Windows Movie Maker. That's what I use. And I, you know, I get it. Some people might be like, oh, but, but Nicholas, you should move on to Filmora. You should make your video, you know, who's to say I should stop at thumbnails? I should stop at, you know, making my thumbnails with MS Paint. Oh, Nick, you should make your videos with Adobe After Effects. No, I prefer Windows Movie Maker because it comes pre-installed on your Microsoft computer. You don't have to download shit. It's right there. It's easy. It's free. It's it's a blast to use. It's so simple. You just cut and trim videos and add a little title and a little captions often and you know you can have little text effects and some transitions, but it's nothing too fancy, it's nothing too crazy. Um it's not excessive like that. Windows Movie Maker's the shit, and I'd never in a million years consider not using it. At the same time, I think part of the interesting thing about using MS Paint or Windows Movie Maker is that you can challenge your uh, abilities. You can you can challenge the limits, the the set parameters of the software, 
and see what can be done with software that simple. Uh, I've I've done some truly admirable edits with Windows Movie Maker that I don't I don't think I've ever seen anyone else even remotely attempt with Windows Movie Maker, but I've done them all the same, and that's pretty flippin' cool if you ask me. I think it's cool to mess around with software, and even if it's really basic and rudimentary and doesn't have all the bells and whistles on it, to see what can be done with it, and kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of stretch it to the limit and see what, what crazy shit you can make. That's always worthwhile, I feel, anywho. The other reason I use Windows Movie Maker, and this is a much more practical reason, uh, is because it's great for animation. If you ever make an animation, if you ever make a, a, a traditional hand-drawn 24 frames per second animation, it's so easy with Windows Movie Maker because all you do is scan in your paper, you scan it in, and then you you know make each frame, you edit in the Miss Paint or whatever, and then all you have to do is load it up in Windows Movie Maker, click select all on all the frames and set it to like, you know, uh, 0 0.05 seconds or whatever per frame. I guess that's uh, 20, 20 frames per second, but you can go lower than that. Usually I only do like 20 frames a second, like, you know, uh, 0 0.05. Um, you just say select all on all the frames. You make sure they're ordered correctly numerically, which is really easy if you just have a folder with all the frames listed from 0 to 100 or, you know, more than that, obviously. Um, and then you just go, yep, select all, 0 0.05 seconds, just order them correctly, and you got your little animation there. And you can also loop animation just by pressing copy and paste on, on those frames. You know, you can say, um, I want these frames to repeat, I want this loop to keep, to, to repeat itself, and you just say that, and uh, it's really easy. Animation is great with Windows Movie Maker. It's so smooth and it looks so good. And uh, that's something I don't I don't know if any other uh, video editing software can really achieve. Just like the the really simple way that you can just drag tons of frames into Windows Movie Maker, copy them, paste them, and uh, set the time. That's really convenient for a uh, 2D animator like myself. I've found more often than not. Uh, you know, th th that software definitely wouldn't be useful to, like, a, a, a computer animator, like some Pixar loser or something. But I make animations that look fucking good. And uh, for that, I think Windows Movie Maker really delivers in terms of just the the ease with which you can make an animation. It's, it's honestly amazing. You know, because after you've drawn all those frames out, um, that's some hard work. So you want the editing process to be really easy and not be cumbersome. And uh, Windows Movie Maker is great for that. I definitely recommend MS Paint and Windows Movie Maker. To anyone who's never used them, uh, use them. They're good. They're good shit. Um, people shit on Windows Movie Maker to no end. In fact, maybe for this episode, because it's 3.51, we're about halfway through. Dingo said he'd be back, but I don't, I don't think he is. Um, then again, he might. But, heck, let's just look up. Some people shitting on Windows Movie Maker because I think that's funny. Because um, it's good, it's good software. It it, it works really well um, in terms of of like good video editing software. I uh, I like I said, I have the original Office version uh, installed on my computer here. It came with it, and uh, it's great. 
you know, they say it's discontinued, but uh, it's it's not. It's really easy to download off the internet. And uh, I, like I said, it was already installed on mine. Luckily, I got one of the last computers with it on it on there. But uh, yeah, uh, definitely get like the the OG Windows Movie Maker. It's uh, it was introduced in 2000, so it's two years older than I am. But you know, not too much older, so I feel comfortable with it. It it grew up uh, alongside me. I don't feel intimidated by it. Um, Movie Maker was discontinued on January 10th, 2017. Um, and it is replaced by Video Editor, formerly Microsoft Story Remix, which is built in with Microsoft Photos on Windows 10, and ClipChamp on Windows 11, which, uh, sounds like shit, like utter shit. Um, but as far as, uh, 2017 goes, yeah, I guess this computer is from, like, uh, 2017, um, or... It was discontinued on January 10th, 2017, so I guess my computer's from, uh, like, late 2016. Um, but it is, uh, it's a great piece of software. And I, I especially like how you can go into Windows Movie Maker, right, and you can, you can go to, you can go to, a. I guess, I, I guess not anymore, but, you know, you, you used to be able to go to Publish Movie and see the old the old YouTube logo back when it was like a square. That was so cool. Maybe maybe uh oh I know I'll just add some videos here and then and then I'll be able to see it. That's really cool to see. Dingo says pixlr.com slash x. Uh, thanks. Pixlr sounds like a, a, a clown software. I'm a I'm a boss, so I use uh, MS Paint, like 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 a maverick, okay. Um, but anywho, um, I'm not gonna use Pixel or I'm I'm a, I'm gonna use uh, MS Paint because it's it's cool as shit. Um, but if you go if you go to add videos and photos, that's right. Windows Movie Maker doesn't have any any content in it as as of yet. But you can see the old logo for YouTube. It's such it's such a goddamn artifact. You got the Vimeo logo, the the Facebook logo, the old Facebook logo, the OneDrive logo. But the best part is the YouTube logo. You can just see the YouTube logo, and that's so fucking cool to look at. Um, back when it was a square with you on, on in white and black on the top, and and tube in white and red on the bottom. It's such a cool logo, and it's so cool to look at. I don't know, call me crazy, I just like the uh, the overall aesthetic of, like, older uh, Windows operating systems in terms of how they look, how they feel, how easy they are to, to use. Uh, they're really easy software to get and, and wrap your head around, and I like that. I like ease of accessibility. I like the... You know, you got, with Windows Movie Maker, you got, like, these, these little 3D logos, the, the webcam video and the record narration, the ad music. That's much more charming than any of this shit on Pixel or Filmora or any of these new new things. Um, really, like people with with any with any Microsoft operating system, kind of owe it to themselves to check out Windows Movie Maker, um, because Microsoft has not created a, a superior software. Um, Clip Champ, like that's supposed to replace Windows Movie Maker. Fat fucking chance. 
uh, Windows Movie Maker's the shit. Uh, I don't have the version that's... I, I don't think I have the version that's, like, the the one where... This is constant on old YouTube. You have the, the like, light blue background with the, with the white text in front of it. Um, that's, like, you know, the type that you see in the, the Neil Cicerigo Lenny Kravitz video. That type that type video I think that's that's an earlier version of Windows Movie Maker or maybe I'm mistaken maybe it's some other software I think it's the the earliest version of Windows Movie Maker I have the uh, up-to-date variety where the default is a black background and and uh, white um, what's the default text on my on my edition uh, Sego UI yeah that's the that's the default text um, so I have the, like, uh, according to the Wikipedia article here, there's a bunch, um, 2009, uh, 2008, uh, Windows Movie Maker 2012, maybe, maybe I have, uh, the 2012 version. Maybe I do. I don't know. I, I think, I think so. Anyway, um... So yeah, that's 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 pr that's pretty spiffy. Windows Movie Maker is a good software, and as I said, I've made quite possibly one of the most MS Paint Windows Movie Maker type videos I've ever made. I mentioned this earlier, but I I've created the video Trevor Moore undergoes a serotonin uh, endeavor. This v epic video will be popping out. Uh, it'll be popping out on March twentieth, twenty twenty three couple of months here um but i'm really looking forward to it because it looks cool as shit it really has that uh, nicholas aesthetic going on as i mentioned earlier in the episode too if i happen to insult a celebrity you personally like don't take it personally because you're not that celebrity and i guarantee um they don't care a celebrity cares about some some rando making fun of them on the internet you know it's it's a wholesome roast that's what we're all about here at Nicholas Comics Incorporated these days. A wholesome behavior. A wholesome, squeaky clean reputation uh, going forward is quite frankly, I'm done with the drama and I'm done with the headache. And here on the internet, uh, I only do this Q&A as a means to connect with the audience, with the fans, uh, to make myself accessible to my audience. So that 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 should be said anywho and you know if i if i dump on someone like bill Wirtz or, or whoever you know nostalgia critic really it's not worth getting worked up over i they they don't care you know they're already they're already successful beyond their wildest dreams um but i also have lots of positive videos coming up check it out i got uh, another installment of Nick on the Streets. That's my next video. I know it. You people have been asking for it. You've been like, hey, Nick, when's the next in installment of Nick on the Streets going to come out? This might be the last one, but it's going to be cool. Um, it's been a couple months in the works. In fact, I took it all the way back in August of 2022, but it's coming out now. Then, a 26-minute video on Adult Swim. And what a massive pile of shit Adult Swim's cartoons are. I've spoken before about their live-action shows, but now I go in-depth on why the Venture Bros 
and, and, and all that crap is not worth your time. Then, on January 16th, you got a, a, a Disney roast. And then, on January 20th, we have an exciting Metallic video with a, with a special guest. Robo 9000, the self-deprecating robot. Uh, so just to give you a, a brief little forecast of what's uh, up ahead as far as the videos I'm making, that's the schedule. That's the that's the that's the general timeline there. So hope you can't wait for that exciting, spicy video content. I am upping the production. I am upping the stakes, and I am going wild with these. So hope you enjoy. Anywho, uh, it's 4 p.m. So we're halfway through. Oh, funny. I find it so funny. And I, I don't say this in my upcoming Adult Swim video. I find it so funny whenever someone's like, Hey, you probably haven't heard of this really niche cartoon I'm into, The Venture Bros. I'm like, yeah, sure, I've never heard of The Venture Bros. It's only one of the most successful fucking cartoon franchises of the past ten years and has tons of action figures and shit. I've never heard of the Venture Bros. I've never heard of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I've heard of all this shit. Uh, I'm sick of people acting like stuff that's overrated is actually underrated. It's bizarre. I guess it. I guess it's a. It's a modern phenomenon. It's one of those unique modern phenomenons where people pretend like stuff that's overrated is actually underrated, and vice versa. I can name lots of underrated shit, but eat your own, I guess. Um. There, there's, there's videos out there, no shit, that are like, You've probably never heard of the Venture Bros. I'm into that niche shit. Uh, which is really funny. That's a really funny sentiment uh, that, that you've never... You just assume right out the gate that nobody's ever heard of uh, Venture Bros. It's really hilarious, um, I think. I'll I'll give I'll give a, I'll give a recommendation right now of something I think is legitimately uh, underrated. I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, um, but this is something that's actually underrated that a lot of people uh, don't know about. Uh, it's a song called uh, "Cultural Amnesia" by a band called Killer uh, Killer Banana. Uh, no, not Killer Banana. Uh, Killer Banana, and uh, it's cool as shit. Um, it's from all the way back in, uh, I believe, 1985. Uh, yeah, like 1985 or so. Uh, it, it's it's a really cool-ass song. But uh, the video for it currently only has 97 views. And it it, it, it was published, like, yeah, like two year, two entire years ago. Um, but great freaking song. Great video. Really high production value. Uh, it's cool as shit. It's really awesome. So I recommend it for anyone who's uh, into actually looking at some underrated shit. That's my recommendation. Really cool fucking song. Really cool fucking music video. Um, it's spelled uh, K-U-L-T-U-R-A-L-A-M-N-E-E-Z-Y-A. It's a good example of something that's like really fucking awesome, um, but nobody knows about it. It's so weird to be like the only person who knows about this shit. Um like actually underrated shit because if if you ever actually find something that's underrated um that doesn't have any information about it online like nobody cares about um that's that's the point where you know you've found like something that's legit under the radar and that like is actually difficult to 
to wrap your head around, but you feel very, uh, very exclusive, you know, if you find something like that, something that uh, nobody else is, uh, has bothered to look at. That's how I felt when I, when I was looking into Kiki's stock camera, I was like, shit, you know, nobody's made a video about this, nobody, nobody's bothered, nobody's, nobody's freaking put in the time, we're all busy making videos on SketchUp or whatever, and uh, I, I, for one, I prefer the, I prefer the more obscure stuff, I, I, I just do, you know. Um, t you know, matter of taste, I suppose. Some people like, uh, some people like bloated mainstream garbage, and if that's you, you know, whatevs, I guess. Uh, I, I just don't see what, 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 what's so cool, uh, to people about that. I, I do like how Dingo brought up that, that, uh, Spongebob wiped some of their earlier episodes. That's really funny. That is really funny. I would expect nothing less from a series like Spongebob, which has zero artistic integrity, never has, uh, is not interesting in the slightest. It's just like the most boring, bland, generic shit. It makes sense that they would completely delete any traces of, of even the remotest shred of humanity from that. So it just becomes uh, to a total cringe factory of just the most bland spotless squeaky clean record possible and that's definitely not the approach i want to take with my art you know um to just like delete anything that's even remotely uh re remotely uh controversial or whatever that's that's the coward's move you know that's how i see it if you just delete shit because you can't you can't like you know own up to its existence if you just like delete shit and that's also what i see with like you know hp lovecraft that guy was a piece of shit. Just a massive piece of shit. Nothing he ever wrote was worth was worth like is is like worth reading. Like I would not recommend buying an H.P. Lovecraft book because they're all like total shit. They're not they're not interesting. They're really lame. But at the same time, I don't think it's worth like deleting his books. You know, burning his books, like erasing them from existence, because. Uh, his stupid garbage actually does offer a real insight into just, like, how shit uh, a sci-fi horror writer can be, like, how stupid a, a guy can be, you know. And that's a valuable insight, to, like, look at H.P. Lovecraft and be like, yeah, this is, this is what shit writing looks like. This is what pretentious, narcissistic trash looks like on display here. And the same goes for you know, uh, Spongebob. I think it's very important that every single garbage episode of Spongebob is, is kept around so that you can see just what a horrible freak show it is. Just what, what like, a, like a horrible franchise it is. How the, how the characters are all total ass. And how, like, the premise is so ridiculously fucking stupid um, to base a, a cartoon around ocean animals. We're like the most boring type animals. Make a, you make a, a fucking cartoon about a sponge. It's like making a cartoon about a fucking, you know, like oyster or something. It's fucking boring. Those animals don't do shit. They just sit around all day. Um, but uh, it's, it's such a stupid fucking cartoon. But it makes sense that on the streaming services, they're like, oh no, SpongeBob said so and so what 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 would spongebob even do that'd be that like offensive i i can't even imagine is it that episode where he cusses 
I fucking hate SpongeBob. I just want to see SpongeBob feel like put you like crucified, you know. Or like put on the put on the stretcher. Let me look it up here. SpongeBob censored. I I haven't actually I haven't actually heard of this. I I, I hadn't actually heard of this here. S censor censorship. Oh, here we go. Um, SpongeBob episodes have been censored by Nickelodeon and pulled out of rotation for their apparent problematic nature. See, this is like a coward move. This is this is the coward's option. You know. This is like the most coward shit you can do. And it it shows that you're just concerned with profit and just making that bag. It doesn't even work cuz it, it's like those episodes still exist. You're just lying by omission and pretending like they don't exist. And people know they exist, obviously. They do exist. So, uh, the real Chad move, I feel, if you make something, is to own up to it and just, like, don't, you know, wimp out and be like, oh, no, this is too controversial. You know, like, um... Like Beavis and Butthead, for instance. That, that That's a good example of a cartoon uh, with, with some fucking grit behind it. That's an example of a cartoon I, I, I for one, can sink my teeth into because it looks like it has, you know, artistic integrity and Mike Judge gives a shit uh, about his intellectual property, right? So there, there's, there's a lot of controversial episodes of Beavis and Butthead. There are, like the one where they swallow uh, condoms full of uh, drugs down in Mexico, right, uh, to make it past the Border Patrol. Now, like, in its later seasons, Beavis and Butthead strayed away from kind of edgy stuff like that, because it was asked to by the network, and that makes sense. And a lot of fans agree that after it got less edgy, it was actually funnier because it was more restrained and kind of refined, and it was less, like, all over the place, right? You can still watch that episode where Beavis and Butthead swallow condoms full of drugs, and even if, even in its tamer variety, Beavis and Butthead is a cartoon with much more weight behind it, and a much uh, more interesting, uh, like, approach to things. Um, and it's a cartoon that uh, gives a shit, which is something I cannot say for SpongeBob. Anyway, going on to the article here, that's a good example of, like, a cartoon that, you know, got censored a lot and got a lot of stupid controversy lobbed at it, but... I feel Mike Judge's approach is much more rational and uh, overall is like much, much more, uh, you know, badass. Anywho, um, of the most problematic episodes, the one titled Midlife Crustacean has been pulled out of rotation uh, and is not present on Paramount Plus with the rest of the episodes of the M8 series. Uh, it's been out of rotation after they discovered, following a standards review, that some elements of the episode were not appropriate to be viewed by kids. Uh, in the episode, which first aired in 2003, so I, I was, I'm, uh, I'm older than this episode. Um, I was born in 2002. Um, we saw Mr. Krabs going through a midlife crisis. SpongeBob and Patrick decide to cheer him and suggests some fun activities, which include a panty raid. What follows is the scene... Oh yeah, I've seen this shit. It's, it's fucking edgelord cringe shit. You can just tell Spongebob wishes it was, it was half the show that Beavis and Butthead is. You can just tell. Um, soon the Spongebob Squarepants group breaks into a woman's house to steal her underwear, and it turns out that the woman is Mr. Krabs' mother, 
She catches the trio stealing her undergarments and sends her son to his childhood room for the night as punishment. Yeah, see, that's like just a, a pathetic episode. That's not problematic. It's just really poorly written. Um, it, it's terrible. It, it's not. It's not offensive. Uh, I would not be offended by that. The same way I wouldn't be offended by Sponge. Like if if there was an episode, I'm not even kidding here. If there was an episode of SpongeBob where SpongeBob did blackface, I wouldn't be offended by it. Uh, that's exactly what the kind of shit I'd expect SpongeBob to try. Because it really is just a cartoon with s such low standards. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. SpongeBob would do this shit. SpongeBob is just like the bottom of the fucking barrel. I wouldn't be offended. Because I have no investment in whatever the fuck SpongeBob does. I don't fucking care what he does. Um, you know, wh whatever he does, I don't give a shit. Because he's not the type of character where you can have, like, actual investment in. You know, he's not like Beavis and Butthead. He's not like a, a well-written... A fun character to watch. He's ass. He's just this whiny little parasite with this squeaky fucking annoying 50 decibel voice and I can't fucking stand it. Um, I, I, I want to see Spongebob get dissected in like an ocean lab. You know, that should be that should be the episode. I'd watch that episode. If there, That should be the finale of Spongebob, you know. He, get, he gets pulled up by, by some fucking ocean researchers him and all the rest of the characters, they get taken down to the lab. This isn't like cartoon at this point, you know, it's live action. They get a real sponge, they get a real dead starfish, they get a real dead squid. And it's just, the camera just shows, you know, knife going in, a little autopsy, or maybe they get sold to like a, you know, a high school science class or something for dissection. And that's how the episode ends, and uh, that'd be the best finale ever. I'd watch that, actually. If that was the, the end of Spongebob, I'd be like, fuck yeah, Spongebob fucking dies. Good fucking riddance. This thing is the most miserable garbage that's ever been unleashed on animation. Maybe TV, period. I've said it before, but it's really hard to think. Like, decide which is worse, Rick and Morty or Spongebob. They're both so fucking awful. Um, anyway, th this episode is so stupid. This is such a stupid idea. Um, it makes sense that, uh... It, it really does make sense that, uh, Paramount would, would like, censor this shit for being problematic. Uh, another SpongeBob SquarePants episode that recently got the axe was an episode called Quarantined Crab. In the episode, a health inspector finds clam flu at Krusty Crab. And, uh quarantines the place with every customer as well as staff member inside. Soon chaos ensues and anyone who is thought to be infected with the virus is trapped in the restaurant's freezer. Um, the Nickelodeon rep explained that the episode has been pulled because of its virus-related storyline that doesn't sit well at a time when the world is battling a real pandemic. Again, just total coward shit. Um, if, if, if I was given the, the, the option to write Spongebob, I'd write an episode where it shows in gruesome detail SpongeBob's entire flesh just getting consumed by a parasitic disease. Maybe some kind of real-world parasitic infection that actually affects uh, sponges, you know. Because the whole the whole uh, advertising pitch for SpongeBob when it started was it'd be, like, educational for kids. Like, you know, they get to learn about, like, ocean biology and shit. Everyone's like, Stephen Hillenburg was, a, was an ocean biologist, which sounds like a really boring job to have. 
But I, you know, I, I'd, I'd do my research and I'd be like, you know, SpongeBob um, gets gets this parasitic infection, you know, this like real world one, and that'd be very educational because that type shit really does happen, you know, in the ocean. Shit dies, shit gets eaten, shit gets fucking killed all the time by all sorts of disgusting infections. And down in the deep ocean, man, you know, you look down there, it's like the hagfish and shit. Those fish are fucking ugly and disgusting. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have an episode where, like, Spongebob dies. It would just become every episode, actually, you know. If I was given the task of writing Spongebob, I'd just think of the most gruesome possible ways to kill off this this festering oaf. This, this, this disease on popular entertainment. Um, who's rotted the brains of just so many of my generation. I'm so glad that when I was young, I was like, fuck Spongebob. Eat shit. I'm, I'm so over this garbage. I did not watch Spongebob when I was young, and I'm so glad I didn't, because it's ass. Total ass. You know, something about it just didn't sit right with me. I'm so glad. Why the bands... Uh, here's another article from ScreenRant.com. Um, why the band Spongebob episode is so controversial. Spongebob Squarepants has always... Oh, fuck. Screen Rant is the stupid ad blocker shit. I don't care, Screen Rant. Um, Spongebob has always had adults' humor that manages to fly over kids' heads. Uh, it really hasn't. It's the type of show that has so little intelligence to it that if my kid was like, Hey, hey, Daddy, let's watch Spongebob together. I'd be like, time for adoption, little Timmy, because uh, we're not watching Spongebob, because that shit has nothing for me. You can watch it on your own time if you want, but I'm not watching it with you because it has zero shit for me. There is no adult humor in Spongebob. It's a great example of, of a kid's show that's like, it has no substance to it. There's nothing on a deeper level to it. Um, there's lots of kids shows that do, um, you know, like, I look at, like, look at, like, uh, Arthur, for instance, there's an example of a well-written kids show that, like, respects the intelligence of its audience and has some, some pretty adult themes time to time, you know, it doesn't treat its audience like complete dumbasses, um, you know, or Mr. Rogers, right, Mr. Rogers has an episode, it was a, it was a band episode for a while, but there's an episode about, you know, just, like, uh, nuclear war and mutually assured destruction and shit, where, where King Friday um, is about to blow up the whole ass Mr. Rogers neighborhood with nukes, and uh, you know, that that's fucking hardcore. Mr. Rogers was fucking hardcore. He didn't f fuck around. Mr. Rogers isn't like, oh, I'm here to be your hyperactive serial. You know, Mr. Rogers is there to actually like, you know, respect his audience's basic intelligence and not treat them like idiots. And not just have a bunch of obnoxious shit shoveled down the throat, you know? Like, that's what Spongebob is. It has zero deeper, deeper meaning behind it, you know? I, I, I could watch an episode of Mr. Rogers and not be bored, you know? Because I, I, I think, you know, I think Mr. Rogers has a decent production value and gives a shit about, like, you know, like basic cohesion. Just, like, making a, a baseline acceptable product for, for young people. Um, Spongebob is not that. Anywho, this Screen Rant article goes, uh, there's a, a I, 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 I've never actually read a Screen Rant article before. I, it, it, it is, like, awful. It's an awful, uh, 
it's an awful website, but anyway, um, blah, 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 you know, uh, Spongebob gets the virus, blah, blah. Um, since it first hit TV in 1999, the show has managed to craft uh, its content and style in a way that doesn't only garner laughs and interest from children, but also from adults in earshot. Actually, the only reason any adult would ever possibly laugh at Spongebob is if they grew up with it, which is more than likely considering this festering cancer has been around for over 20 years at this point. Um, it makes sense that, you know, a lot of dumbass millennials and shit, you know, who, who first saw Spongebob when they were five uh, and have never engaged with anything on a deeper level than that, uh, now really enjoy Spongebob when they're 25 and they're like, oh yeah, this is the shit. I remember Spongebob. This is so nostalgic because when you get indoctrinated into that cult, you know, it's a, it's, it's not gonna, you're not gonna be the sharpest tool in the shed after that, let's just say. Um, when was this? 2020? This is an old article, right? Yeah, or no, 2021, uh, July 25th, 2020. So like, you know, still pandemic still going on. Um, another episode has also made headlines for being censored online. 2003's Midlife Crustacean. It centers around Mr. Krabs' midlife crisis, blah, 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 and desperate pursuit to hold on to some semblance of youthful fun. Hey, here's a fun idea. Instead of going on a panty raid, how about uh, SpongeBob and Mr. Krabs and Patrick uh, decide to do some street racing, and, uh, you know, they're, like, zooming around these curves, right? They're on, like, you know, the... You know, they're, they're like in their stupid uh, ocean cars that wouldn't actually work because you can't have a, have a uh, combustion engine underwater. That's besides the point, you know. Uh, it's not an educational cartoon. So, that, like, they're on, they're on, like, Dead Man's Curve, you know. They're, they're, like, swerving around. They're fucking around. SpongeBob is like, hey, looky, Patrick. I'm the king. I'm going to win the fucking Barnacle Cup or whatever the fuck, right? And they all go careening off the cliff. And they all fucking die, right? They all just fucking explode. Um, that, that'd be a cool-ass episode. I'd watch that. Uh, if that's how they solve Mr. Krabs' shitty midlife crisis, uh, they, you know, they do something, like, legit, like, dangerous and hardcore, and then they die. That'd be cool. Uh, I'd watch that. Anyway. Um, going on. And to assist him, SpongeBob and Patrick invite him along on a panty raid mini-adventure, which they claim to do all the time, where they break into women's homes and steal their underwear. Though cringeworthy by 2021 standards, uh, the episode ends on a seemingly lighthearted note, with Mr. Krabs discovering he's broken into his own mother's house, and she sends him to his childhood room for the night. Uh, uh, because of the buzz, blah blah blah, the episode has been out of rotation since 2018, following a standards review in which we determined some story elements were not kid-appropriate. Yeah, I'd say that's not really kid-appropriate. I'd say it's the kind of immature shit you'd find in, like, you know, like, uh, The Big Bang Theory, or Animal House, or, or uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Actually, it might be uh, too immature to be in something like Animal House, which is kind of the gold standard of the genre. Maybe, like, a Real Genius with Val Kilmer. Th th those who have ever seen that, that movie will know what I'm talking about there. I can see that kind of thing in, like, a Real Genius with Val Kilmer. Um... 
and this choice seems to be the best course of action. During the continual wake of the hashtag MeToo movement, there's been a steady wave of societal reevaluation, revamping, and pushes for accountability. Though a show like SpongeBob has never actually harmed anyone, storylines like the Panty Raid have served as a problematic pop culture backdrop. Yeah, no shit. Uh, I, I would not uh, raise my kid on a, on a show with SpongeBob, whether or not he's a creepy pervert and he breaks into women's houses and steals their shit. Um, I, I would not show uh, my my child SpongeBob. I, I just would not. Uh, Sponge, if, if I ever had a child, which I never will, but if I ever did, uh, SpongeBob would be banned. Uh, there would be no SpongeBob. SpongeBob would not exist. Um, it, I, I, I'd, I'd show my kid uh, Beavis and Butthead because that's a cartoon with, with, uh, with, uh, that actually teaches valuable life lessons and is actually worth watching actually teaches uh, young people about how to make a competent piece of animation. Anyway, going on. Um, Though a show like Spongebob has never actually harmed anyone, storylines like The Panty Raid have served as a problematic pop culture backdrop. After all, one of the key components as to why society has functioned the way it has involves what is seen as commonplace. Even a comedic cartoon not doing any direct damage perpetuates a climate where a children's show could air an episode about men breaking into a woman's home and stealing her underwear without most of the public even raising an eyebrow. Well, yeah, I'd say that in general Nickelodeon has a lot of shit that's uh, just, like, fucking weird, but nobody raises an eyebrow. You know, like all the Dan Schneider iCarly shit. Uh, that shit's fucking weird. That shit is not... Uh, normal. That shit is not the kind of shit that I'd, you know, uh, say is acceptable for young people. But in general, uh, shit just, you know, it tends to get away with this kind of shit because it's such a low level of, like, quality, you know. There's no quality control. That's the problem. It's not that, like, SpongeBob is the result of a, of a, of a patriarchal system or anything. I do agree that you know, a patriarchal system is an issue. I think the I think the the more pressing issue is just that like it, this shit would would not have passed on like a well written show. But the problem is that Nickelodeon does not have basic quality control standards. Uh, they do not give a shit, right? They they don't care. They don't make anything. They don't give a shit. Uh, Ren and Stimpy, you know, John K. Biggest fucking pervert in the animation industry. Giant fucking pervert. For years, he was just a total fucking creep, and everyone was just like, "Yo, John K, what a fucking madman!" Am I right, Ren and Stimpy? It's, it's the GOAT greatest of all time. Am I right? And it, it's not like that. It's a, it's a toxic environment, or oh, it's problematic. It's just that like this is a clown company. It's run like shit. There's always going to be stuff like this. There's always going to be companies that just have zero quality standards and don't give a shit. There's always going to be companies that put out an inferior product. That's just how, you know, a free marketplace works. You're always going to have shit. You're always going to have garbage pumped out. But, you know, like, hopefully you cho you make the right choice and stop watching SpongeBob and, and just don't, because it's bad, you know? Just a thought. Anyway, go going on. Uh, of course, there's always the argument that shows like Spongebob are just cartoons, and society is actually going too far with corrections such as this one. To an extent, this argument is valid. 
I like to think of the the Screen Rant writer who actually took the time uh, to write all this out. Like this is actually a, an actual news story. This is really funny. Um, holding certain media to too high of a standard can become tricky, especially when you consider the context of both the show and how an episode is contextually bound to the time in which it was written and originally aired. Series like South Park or Family Guy are meant to be irreverent and shocking in their comedy. Uh, one succeeds and one obviously does not. Uh, and that's part of the appeal for many people. And certain storylines or jokes that may have worked before, even if they weren't exactly right then, wouldn't fly today. They, they, they would. I'd say a show like Beavis and Butthead which is really edgy and really out there and has some really, you know, hardcore shit in it, um, it absolutely has stood the test of time. It holds up really fucking well, and that's just because Mike Judge, you can tell, uh, gives a shit about his characters and their universe and, like, it, internal consistency and narrative cohesion and all the things that are really important uh, if you go into any creative industry, especially animation, right? Um, Beavis and Butthead... Uh, is is good because it's about morons, right? And you can have morons do anything. You, know, you can have you like Beavis and Butthead are are not aspirational figures, and they're not supposed to be. They're like rude and abrasive and and just like obnoxious. But that's like you're not supposed to like them, and you'd have to be a real idiot to to aspire to be them, right? But everyone who who sees the show gets oh. This is an example of who not to be like, unless you're, like, really fucking stupid. Um, and it's funny and well-written, and there's a ton of just, like, edgy shit in there that's way edgier than anything SpongeBob's ever done. Uh, but you, you buy it, and it's, it's well-made, and that's why Beavis and Butthead will never be, like, cancelled, and nobody will ever go, oh, this is problematic. Like I said, it was controversial when it aired. You know, when, 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 uh, you know, they lit shit on fire and stuff. It was controversial, as it, as any, like, legit great piece of art will be. It was controversial. But, um, it, it's not problematic. You, you don't, it's not the kind of show you look at and you go, oh, this, this hasn't aged well. This wouldn't fly today. Like, it absolutely does. It, it, it is actually aged really well. And the same with that shitty quote about, like, oh, you couldn't make blazing saddles today. There's a great video, it's like half an hour long, that points out that you wouldn't make Blazing Saddles today because Blazing Saddles is a product of the 1970s and the Western industry, and how the Western genre was full of tired tropes and cliches, and Blazing Saddles was designed to mock those, and it wouldn't work today because we don't make that many Westerns anymore, and they're not that popular. But for its time, Blazing Saddles was an effective piece of satire. And if you view it as such, it's still absolutely uh, a bla uh, like a really effective piece of satire, offensive humor and all. It's very, it's very effective and well thought out, and that's because Mel Brooks gives a shit. Uh, Blazing Saddles is an example of something that's not problematic because it's, it's a well-written movie with a, with a good script, right? And that's like... That's what I think everyone get misses when they talk about political correctness or, like, being sensitive. You know, if something is deliberately offensive, but in a way that does not validate, like, racism or whatever, uh, then that's... The, there's nothing wrong with that because it's designed to be offensive to racists, right? It's designed to provoke racists. 
make racists angry. It's not in itself racist. It's it's like you know, it, it, it's satire or whatever. And there's plenty of shit like that. There's plenty of stuff that is aged really well, and it just does not give a shit. Is completely irreverent satire and is extremely effective satire. Um, that is not problematic, and nobody sane would accuse it of being problematic. Uh, on the other hand, yeah, I think there is stuff that's legit problematic, like Song of the South from Disney. Hey, there's an example of a shit movie made by a shit company with zero artistic vision or, or, or passion. Um, that Song of the South is legit just a giant piece of shit, right? Or The Big Bang Theory. Uh, the Big Bang Theory is problematic, quote-unquote, because it presents characters who you're supposed to like, right? It's not like Beavis and Butthead, where you're not supposed to like the characters and they're supposed to be assholes. Uh, you're supposed to legitimately like Leonard and Sheldon and Penny and the rest of the nerd crew. Um, but the problem is that they're misogynists and, and assholes, and you can't, like, get behind them because they all suck. They all suck hard, right? They're not even fun to watch like Beavis and Butthead. They're just awful. And the show expects you to like them. And that's why something like The Big Bang Theory, that's a good example of a show that is aged really poorly, even though it's only been off the air for, like, what, three years at this point? Um, it's an example of a show that's aged like shit and is, like, really fucking offensive. And is just offensive without, uh, without like, any, any point. There's no point to it. It's just a shitty show about these misogynist losers who collect their shitty Funko Pops and their shitty comic books and shit. Uh, they don't even collect comics. They don't know shit about comics. I know more about comics than them. Um. Oh, uh, hey, Penny, you're getting into the shower. That reminds me that uh, water is two parts hydrogen and, and one part oxygen. Uh, uh, that's the kind of brain-dead, brain-rotting shit content that, I, that uh, I don't think is worth defending. Yeah. So, call me crazy, but I really... I, I also don't think it's worth giving a shit about. Like, nobody is... The Big Bang Theory is already one of the most irrelevant products of the 2010s. It is aged like shit. Nobody is talking about it anymore. Nobody cares. Um, Midlife Crustaceans Panty Raid, the Screen Rant article continues, uh, was an episode component done in poor taste, but unfortunately at the time it wasn't shocking. That's a nice that's a nice assumption there. I think if you know, I think if I was a parent, um, Back in 2003, and my kid was watching a cartoon with this creepy little rapist sponge and his unfunny jokes and his little screechy voice. I'd be like, what the fuck are you watching, little Timmy? Get the get that the fuck off the TV. You know, turn on, turn on like, round table or something. Stop watching this shit. You know, start watching something good. You know, grow some taste. You know? I think I'd be fucking shocked if I saw Spongebob back in 2003. I'm still shocked by Spongebob today. When I see him, it's like a fucking jump scare. I'm like, what the fuck? Get get off, get out of here, you piece of shit. Um, anyway. Now, of course, the right choice is to pull it, which the network says it did three years ago. After all, Spongebob Squarepants is a show on Nickelodeon, not something on a network like Comedy Central. 
or TBS. They've been doing the right thing, and it seems that these reevaluations will only continue as society becomes continually aware of past misjudgments, which, though small in their own right, have historically added up to a larger problematic climate. You know, this is what, again, what I'd expect from Nickelodeon, given that they're the network that hired both Dan Schneider and John Kay, uh, two of the biggest perverts in entertainment. Not just animation or anything, but like the biggest perverts in Hollywood, period. Just the biggest fucking grossest misogynist weirdos. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't think this is anything out of the ordinary for Nickelodeon. This is like very normal for Nickelodeon. Like I said, if SpongeBob did blackface, I wouldn't be surprised. Nickelodeon is is tasteless garbage. Um, but, th but that's that's uh, I guess the whole point. Uh, just like two episodes, one because uh, SpongeBob is a creepy little racist per or not a racist pervert, a rapist pervert, uh, and the other because of some pandemic shit. It's probably back on now. I don't I don't fucking know. Um. Gosh, that's the most offensive SpongeBob can get. Uh, nice, nice try, SpongeBob. Uh, yeah, you can you can just tell SpongeBob is uh is really the most tryhard shit. Um, but yeah, you know I'd expect Paramount to censor that, and I'd expect Paramount to probably censor anything. You know they'll probably probably censor a freaking. I don't blame Paramount. I mean, Paramount's okay. It's Nickelodeon, you know, probably that made the, the choice, but, um, I mean, you know, Paramount's like the, the larger thing, and I, I, I do respect Paramount, you know, they make some decent movies from time to time. Um, but as for Nickelodeon, yeah, this, I, I would expect Nickelodeon to remove something like that. I'd expect Nickelodeon to remove absolutely anything. See, this is, this is the thing with, like, so-called cancel culture, so-called, like, now like PC or whatever. It's not real. Nobody cares. Nobody nobody will like stop you from using certain words or anything. Nobody nobody gives a shit. This is all a manufactured panic just because like, you know, we're currently experiencing a, a cultural paradigm shift where it's not the coolest to be transphobic or racist or whatever anymore. You know, people like uh, a little more respect given to underrepresented minority groups, right? So you're going to see uh, a little more sensitivity. But at the end of the day, only you can decide what you actually care about. And just because SpongeBob doesn't have his shitty fucking trying, like Revenge of the Nerds imitation episode, it's not fucking political correctness. It's not cancel culture. It's just one decision made in an increasingly complex societal structure that's only going to get more convoluted as time goes on. But you can't boil it down to cancel culture and you can't just boil it down to political correctness. It's just an example of shit. It's just an example of nonsense. Uh, it's not It's not a thing, you know. Just don't be a fucking transphobe. Don't be a fucking racist. Don't be a fucking homophobe. And it won't fucking matter, you know. Because nobody, nobody gives a shit. It's a thing. That's how I see it. That's my take on political correctness or cancel culture or whatever you want to call it. It's not a thing. Just don't be an offensive, obnoxious person. Just don't be an asshole. You know that that's that's really the only prerequisite. S stop watching SpongeBob. Start watching shit that that has good taste and like you know like competence to it. Um, and just like stop watching SpongeBob. I think the I think SpongeBob is problematic. I think it's it's a it's a problem in the system. 
You know, I, th I think SpongeBob is probably the reason you have so many fucking massages. Not just because of that episode. Just because, like, the whole show is structured to be the most basic garbage shit imaginable. Of course you're going to get a, a culture full of stupid, idiot, racist, homophobe, transphobe pieces of shit. If you raise an entire generation on that garbage, you're going to get a, a, a dysfunctional society. Just like a society full of complete idiots who have no idea how to actually behave. And uh, that's to be expected. You know, that's that's the... It's absolutely the result. You got you got Rick and Morty, right? And the big the big debate is like, is Rick is Rick a misogynist? Like, fuck yes, fuck Rick Sanchez, horrible fucking character. And again, I'm not I'm not for censorship. I think you should be able to watch Rick and Morty uh, if you want. A really great example of how to make a cartoon with zero potential. Zero integrity, like the worst bottom of the barrel crash cartoon imaginable. If you want a great example of a shit cartoon, um, but uh, you know, I, I don't think it should be censored. But nobody in their right mind should watch Rick and Morty and go, "Wow, this is this is a great cartoon," and Justin Roiland's a fucking genius, and I love Dan Herman. I love this fucking edgy, sweaty, neckbeard-looking piece of shit. Dan Harmon, what a what a fucking loser! I can't stand this guy. You know, that's the thing about the entertainment industry in general is that there's a lot of bad apples to it, like Dan Harmon, you know, Louis C.K., fucking, uh, you know, John K., Dan Schneid, whatever. There's a lot of these fucking losers out there who just absolutely suck. They're fucking stomach wrenching, and that's why I'm never gonna, you know, move out to L.A. and get big in Hollywood, because I don't give a shit about the Hollywood system. There's a lot of parasites to it. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a stay here in Denver. Hopefully, you know, by producing quality content that's worth giving a shit about, um, I'll make better shit than uh, SpongeBob and Big Bang Theory and fucking Community or whatever the fuck. Uh, there's so many talentless hacks in the industry today. I'd say the industry needs a big old clearing out and the introduction of some more, you know, diverse voices because I'm so sick of these fucking white guys who are just fucking creepy and weird and full of dumb ideas like, oh, I'm going to have my cartoon sponge be a creepy little rapist, be a creepy little pervert. Who the fuck watches this trash, you know? That's what I'm thinking. There should be an episode of SpongeBob, right? He's, like, going around, you know, on his stupid fucking panty raid, right? And then, like, you know, he gets caught in the act, and he just gets shot, like, straight through the forehead. Neutered, you know, like a sick cow. Um, I'd watch that. No, but I don't think SpongeBob has the guts to have a, a serious episode like that. See, that's the thing, right? If SpongeBob had balls, um, and was actually willing to speak out, about, like, misogynist behavior, you know, pervert behavior, who's actually willing to, like, set set a good example, it wouldn't keep uh, treating this character, who's obviously morally bankrupt and psychologically broken, as, like, aspirational or sympathetic. Uh, you just have an episode where SpongeBob is up to some little pervert shit, you know, because that is canon. SpongeBob does do, he does do this shit. It, that's an episode of the show, and no matter how much they try and remove it, or erase it, it's not going anywhere. SpongeBob does this shit. I have no doubts. Um, where SpongeBob is going around being a little pervert, and then, uh, you know, one day, he gets caught. 
and uh, he, he he gets uh, he gets uh, killed. You know, killed in the line of of, of pervert activity. And that'd be a great episode because it would set a, a wholesome example for the youth. Uh, that being, don't be a creepy misogynist pervert, uh, or you know, the 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 lady who, who who's whose house you're in uh, while you're stealing her shit is going to come in with a double barrel shotgun, which again wouldn't even work uh, underwater. Guns don't work underwater. I know, crazy science fact. Um, guns don't work underwater. But, you know, uh, if you're a creepy misogynist pervert uh, and you don't respect women's privacy and, and autonomy, then uh, you're going to get caught and someone's going to come in with a double barrel shotgun, wham, straight to the head. Um, it'd be a fun episode. I'd watch that. Uh, I'd like to see SpongeBob get put out of his fucking misery again and again and again. I think there's nothing more fun than that. Just a continuous loop of SpongeBob getting tortured. Um, I fucking hate SpongeBob. Needless to say, I guess that's the message this week. Uh, I guess that's the message uh, to be to be taken away from this this week. Is that SpongeBob's a creepy little pervert, and uh, I don't like him. He's fucking cringe. SpongeBob uh, is uh, absolutely the worst. Death to SpongeBob. That's my motto. And the great thing is, I can't be sued for that because SpongeBob's a fictional character, so I can say I hope he fucking dies as much as I want. You know, some people would probably be like, Nick, that's a death threat. A death threat to who? Fucking Spongebob? What, his creator's already six feet under, so I can't say that to Stephen Hillenburg. But yeah, Spongebob? I hope Spongebob dies real soon, I hope he dies real fast, and I hope he goes fuck away. He's been on for 20 years. That's way longer than this shit should have been acceptable. That's way longer than this shit should have been around. It's fucking trash. Spongebob is the living end. There is no... God, who is worse, Rick and Morty or Spongebob? That is the eternal question, isn't it? Like, who's worse? Who's the who's the worst one? They're, they're both terrible in such unique ways, in such unique, interesting ways. I'll probably never get tired of spon talking about Spongebob because he really is just the fucking worst. And that's why I hope he doesn't get censored, you know, because people deserve to know what little pervert activity SpongeBob gets up to in his spare time with his stupid idiot starfish friend. People deserve to know. People deserve the truth about SpongeBob. Uh, hashtag SpongeBob is over party. Hashtag me too. I got I got broken into by SpongeBob, the fucking pervert. He's he's so fucking gross. He's so gross. I I hate SpongeBob. He's he's just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I cannot stand him. I, I cannot stand SpongeBob. Anyway. Uh I'm I'm tired of talking about that, but that's interesting. I, I hadn't heard that any SpongeBob episodes got pulled, but that makes complete sense given that SpongeBob is the most sanitized, bland, inhuman franchise around. It really is like what would happen if you just told a computer to make a cartoon. Um, there's there's zero humanity into it. I I have a difficult time believing that it was made by people. Um, there's nothing to it. it. It's legit, just like empty. It's a barren wasteland of crap. Anywho, um, I'm so I'm so tired. I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of this. So, 
a bit of an interesting episode this week. Uh, still, still thinking about the algorithm, the YouTube algorithm, and what I could do to appease it. The next week or so, I'll work on applying tags to the rest of the videos. I'm about halfway through with that. It's been quite the endeavor. I'm not sure if it'll pay off at all, but I guess I'll see. You know, I'll give it. I'll give it some time to see if the tags help the videos reach a wider audience. They might. I don't know. Um, you got 13 minutes left. Nobody's on, so nobody can win a free comic. But uh, if you want to win a free comic, a free Nicholas comic, then pop on here for the last 10 minutes of each Q&A. At 3 to 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, every week, Saturday, usually, unless something else, something else comes up. But usually Saturday, 3 to 5 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time. Some people don't know Mountain Standard Time exists. Isn't that freaking weird? They're like, oh, Nick, you're, you're on Pacific Time, aren't you? They think America only has three time zones. That's so weird. Like, people, people legit just completely don't know that uh, Mountain Standard Time is a thing. That's really interesting. It just goes to show, like, how much Denver's presence has been erased off, like, the American consciousness. Because nobody, nobody notices that. They just ignore, they just completely ignore an entire time zone uh, existing. They were like, hey, MST, you mean, you mean, you mean uh, PST, right? No, I mean, I mean MST, you know, the, the freaking, the, the freaking time zone that covers like a massive amount of the United States. Like nobody, nobody, like people legit don't know that Mountain Standard Time is a thing. That's so weird. That is so weird. Anyway. Um, that'll do it for this, that'll do it for this week. Got ten minutes left. Like I said, I'm working on recording more tapes, so there will be more tapes fresh out, fresh out the oven pretty soon. I'm baking them and shaking them, and they're about ready to go. They're going to be flipping cool and uh, awesome. And I just recorded a new copy of Nick's Cicada's Greatest Hits, so that'll be available for consumption pretty gosh dang soon. And uh, that's that's hot. Cassettes are hot. I, I can't get enough of those cassettes. I am cassette crazy, and I am ready for some cassettes. But uh, that's been it for this, this week. Uh, hopefully Dingo pops on next week. He's always interesting. Um... But I'm not going to use this pixelor.com shit software. It looks needlessly complicated and uh, too much fucking tools and shit and too much shit to it. MS Paint is cool. MS Paint is uh, fucking awesome. I, th I, think what, I think what it boils down to it, when a video gets crazy in the algorithm is just it needs to be uh, popular to a lot of people. That's the most basic answer, and I think that's the case. Like, you, you get big videos by talking about popular shit. Like, if I made a video about Andrew Tate, it could get really big, but I'm not going to do that, because I think Andrew Tate's fucking boring, he's a fucking loser, and uh, I don't care about him. I don't care about what happens to him, I don't care about where he's at, I, I don't give a shit. I, I could literally care less. I make videos about stuff I find interesting, and I don't find Andrew Tate that interesting. Anyway, uh, I'm going to cut it short right here. This has been the, the Nicholas Comics Q&A for another week. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm tired, and I got work to do, and I got stuff to do, I got a lot of stuff on my plate, lots of comics to dry, tapes to record, stuff to get out there, 
So yeah, until next time, I'll do it for uh, this episode. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, yeah, buy Nicholas Comics. I'm on a secret mission, looking for the admission to my tuition. Do you want to be on the show? Join the Nicholas Comics Discord server today. I'll answer any questions you have. You can appear in the next episode. Do you want to buy Nicholas Comics? Write to Nicholas Gale, 1424 Columbine Street, number 1, Denver, Colorado, 80206. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on the next episode. I don't even know what the mission is about.